0: happy monday beautiful people Ooh, it's a beautiful 422 happy earth day happy earth day weekend happy holidays happy whatever the day that you celebrate happy monday family welcome back to episode 25 of conversations with friends this is lanita and the vibes are high today family uh, What a beautiful weekend. I'm so excited to just be here today in the energy and presence of the new energy of spring. Um, Man, it's been beautiful in the desert. Our temperatures are slowly rising, and we're feeling good. I am so thankful for my guest today, um, a woman that I have been following for some years now. I really can't even recall the first time I came across this woman and her unschooling experience um, but I'm really thankful that I have my friend on the show today or a friend a new friend on the show today and to be able to share her energy and knowledge and experience with you all so we're just going to go ahead and get into it since we know we have an hour limit now on this show <laughs> on this format uh, Akila S. Richards I'm not sure if I was supposed to keep the S in there or not but Akila Richards is on the line are you there mama I am, I am,
1: and yes, I do
0: use the S. <laughs> Beautiful, I love it, and I actually searched for a website and did not, or I was, I emailed you and I think I forgot the S or something and it didn't work, so it is, um, I love that it's there. Welcome, sister, and thank you for, for joining Conversations with Friends.
1: Happy, happy to be here, Lanita. Thank you so much for the invitation to connect and chat.
0: Yes, love, happy Monday. Um, and so you're down in Atlanta, and you told me that spring really hasn't set in all the way there yet, huh?
1: No, mm-mm. I mean, <laughs> I've been um, back in Atlanta for maybe a little bit over a month, yeah, like a month and a week or so, and we've had a, some warm days, but mostly it's been chilly, and a couple of days ago, it was, I had to pull out my coat coat <laughs> to just be outside and go to the grocery store, so spring is like tripping right now, but that's our fault, right, because like we're doing to the planet,
0: or mm-hmm. showing
1: up in these ways, so yeah.
0: Man, and um, and you sound like you perhaps are from somewhere really warm. You have some, some uh, origins in really warm places from the accident, it sounds like. So 40 degrees, I mean, come on, for someone from the Caribbean. I, I think that that's where you're from, correct? Am I guessing that? Yes, I'm Jamaica,
1: yeah
0: love how is 40 degrees even work for your blood i it can't exactly
1: even. <laughs> not even 50 not even 60 like i'm 60 feels like my minimum it's like all right i can function and that <laughs> if i have to but, but anything below that you're just gonna get like my cranky survivalist self basically goodness,
0: goodness. <laughs> uh, and did that pass on to your children are your children also prefer that weather
1: Mm, no, they're pretty flexible. My youngest, Sage Niambi, she likes it nice and cool. Like my mother-in-law um, is the same way. They like the cool weather. They even like the cold. I'm like, yeah, no. Mm-mm. But Marley and I are kind of similar in that. But, you know, yeah. <laughs>
0: it's, it's for some. You know, I, I understand how some people thrive in that cold winter. And even you know, in the way that the seasons work in terms of activity, you know, in the winter, they, they go inside and they're, and they're mm-hmm. together and they're around the fire. And I get it. Um, but I, I know, I know in my soul that I am from a place where it's warm all year round. We don't use blankets <laughs> and mangoes yes. and coconuts grow in abundance.
1: You see,
0: Yes, exactly. (laughs) You know, and just the vibe, you know, people are just a little, a little more relaxed and take time. And, um, I just know that's where I'm from. So thanks for bringing that vibe on today.
1: (laughs) I bring it everywhere I go. Happy to share.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um, and so Akilah, you just, we were just talking a little bit about the fact that you all are a traveling, unschooling family. So, um, well, actually let's do this. Let's, I like to start each show with just a little bit of background about all of my friends um, and I just want to hear a little bit about you and maybe you can share with us. You can go as far back or as close as you'd like to and with as much detail, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about Akila Richards, Akila S. Richards, who you are, and a little bit about your family and how you guys are taking the unschooling world by storm.
1: <laughs> That's funny, I like it. It's real. Um, so we are, um, the term that is, that I like that I didn't make up is digital nomads, right? So we are, my partner Chris and I, the work that we do um, outside of what I do in terms of the podcast, it it doesn't require us to be in one particular place,
0: Mm. right? So
1: we earn money in ways that are not tied to geography. We don't work in a particular building or with clients that require us to be um, face to face. So because of that, um, we are, we can be nomadic and still like eat and stuff. Um, So that's really been, uh, that came as a result of our decision to start unschooling with our daughters. And um, to back up a little bit, I am, Chris and I are both Jamaicans and I, I always love to say that. I am the result of a little girl who was loved on by a whole bunch of people. Mm-hmm. My, my childhood, I spent the first 10 years of my life um, in Jamaica, um, and I was around a lot of adults. I was one of the first kids in my neighborhood, um, the first grandchild and all of these things. And so there were a lot of adults who just loved on me in ways that I, I still call upon, you know, I feel like I had a lot mm-hmm. of privilege when it comes to just love and attention, and I feel very rooted in that way, mm-hmm. um, as, and it's a part of why I can be nomadic comfortably, because I don't really consider a place home, even though Jamaica is my land of birth, and it's probably the place that I'm most fond of, um, I am home, like I consider myself home, and mm-hmm. so I can be anywhere and be at home. And a big part of that is, I think, what was poured into me by my grandparents. I had and still have um, very strong relationships with my remaining grandparents, especially my grandmothers. Um, Then just a lot of other old people (laughs) Mm -hmm. that I got to spend a lot of time around, not to mention my uncles, my aunts. And so I think that I ended up back to when I became a mother of two daughters, Miley, who's now 15, and Sage Niambi, who's 13, I think I ended up getting back to that idea of being an adult who just loves on and makes room for children to be themselves in the way that I want, you know, by the adults around me. And, of course, that practice looks very different for me um, now than it did back in the you know late 70s, early 80s when I was coming up. But that's really what it's about. I feel like I'm carrying on a tradition that some of it I remember from being a child and then some of it is ancient, ancient, way before this version of me mm. um, that is still about what does it mean to make room for young people, newer spirits in the physical form, to be and emerge as themselves in ways that feel safe, in ways that minimize um, their lack of understanding of how they do harm. Like all the things that we get to practice through unschooling feels to me like a continuation um, of what was happening before me and in my childhood. Um so it feels really useful for me to do that because I, I being useful is one of my core mm-hmm. values. Like, <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. I get to do a lot of that in my work with my girls, and they are very much my life guides. We started unschooling about maybe nine years ago now, eight or nine years ago, when. Um, the girls were in elementary school and they were doing really well academically. And very shortly after Marley, my oldest, started, she got labeled gifted and talented and they, you know, did all the tests and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then when Sage Niambi started, they did the same thing. And, um, you know, Chris and I were just like, at first really caught up in the excitement that we had smart kids and that the school district was like really trying to do a lot of things for them academically, created a curriculum for Marley. Um, created a curriculum for Marley that had her meeting with different teachers and doing all of this stuff. And among all mm. of this stuff is she was missing recess, right? And we didn't know that. We found out one day she came home, got off the bus and was just crying and frustrated because she missed recess again. So mm. why would you miss recess? And it turns out that they were testing her, like giving her other tests that we didn't know about. Wow. We had consented to. And so she was continually... Um, frustrated with those things, and even before that, she was always so frustrated saying things like, I, I have so many thoughts, and I don't have time to think my thoughts, and, oh, you baby. know, <laughs> she, yeah, exactly, you know, she would say these things, and then um, Sage Niambi when she started school, the issues for her were very different, she's not, there's this term I, I love sharing called peopling, like P-E-O-P-L-I-N-G, that Sage came up with when she kept saying, I don't like it there they keep peopleing on me and you know that was like everyone was like talking to her and she, her and Marley look a lot alike and so people were like oh that's Marley's sister and Marley was like the ambassador of the school Like she visited the nurse and like everybody knew Marley by name and Sage is the opposite Sage is like yo I don't if I didn't like look you in the eye and be like what's up please just try to leave me alone mm-hmm. she's like mad chill totally different type of being and so school for her was it felt like harassment
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: each day to be in those spaces and so after some time of hearing their grievances and trying to you know assuage that and say well honey no that's how it is you know you got to deal with people or to marley um okay we're gonna talk to them about you missing lisa like we kept addressing the symptoms like mm-hmm. the side effects of the thing mm-hmm. until eventually <laughs> um Chris and I kind of got the memo. It's like, wait a minute. We, we have to do something different. Like we can't change the school system. Lord knows I tried. I was on the PTA board. I was the head of this committee and we were at the school like three times a week mm-hmm. at least. And, you know, we we're doing all the things. And then eventually it was like, we ultimately realized, and I wrote a lot about this. So this is like the summary version, but I can send you links and things. But ultimately we realized that we were essentially as extensions of the school system at home mm. so then there were no people really advocating for marley and sage because we were advocating for marley and sage within the context of the school system like mm. finding ways to fit them into the school system and ultimately for us that's not our job our job is to be hold safe space for marley and sage and at some points be that safe space so if they didn't feel like they were being heard and what they felt they needed wasn't um, being addressed by the people who were supposed to keep them safe, the hell, you mm. know, like <laughs> that mm. becomes its own thing. And so eventually, with a lot of consideration, um, Chris and I said, all right, we would withdraw Marley and Sage from school and we would figure out what would make sense next. Mm. So, um we did that and then we said all right let's just you know now that we're not tied to what time school starts and ends and school break and all of that let's maybe do a little bit of um, travel let's go back to Jamaica for a little bit and I think the first time that we went for an extended time we went for six weeks right we stayed with a family member and uh, I'm trying to remember if I'm I don't know if I'm a member in the order. I think we went for a shorter time first, Mm. and then we went for six weeks. And then during that time, we registered the girls with the Georgia Virtual Academy. We were Mm. based in Georgia before we became location independent. Um, And we signed them up for Georgia Virtual Academy. And... um, my mom shipped the books, the big old heavy books that she got them shipped to Jamaica, all of that. And mm. we, it was crazy. So we said, all right, great. You know, you're still going to learn because yeah. you got to have books to learn. Um, <clears throat> so we were doing that a little bit. And then Marley in particular was really, really resistant. So we would bring the books to the beach, you know, just a couple of books and say, so you can hang out, have a great time. And then you can study a little bit and play a little bit and mm. we'll infuse <laughs> nature. We can count seashells. And and um marley was just like yeah nah i'm good i don't want to do that (laughs) so we just kept hitting that wall with her and i just got so deeply frustrated that after some weeks of it i was like you know what fine don't learn shit don't do shit just forget about it Mm. i won't push it um and then at the end of this trip or in a few weeks or something, let me just come back to it. And I can come back to it from a fresh space and blah, blah. And we never, ever did. (laughs) We never, ever went back to it. And that was maybe eight or so years ago. um, Because we started to see over time, how learning actually happens and how our perception of learning was really deeply skewed and was really just based on like um, regurgitating information and performing as opposed to actually learning you know so we got there over time now we were still you know there was like a year or two in between, closer to two years that we're like, okay, I have this this right here, you do this little bit of work and then you spend the whole rest of the time doing whatever you want. You know, you gotta know your timetable <laughs> so let's do that a little bit and then you do this. You know, we, we did that for like a couple of years on and off. Okay, do this project or whatever you want, but present it so that I know you learned it. Mm. You know, we, we, we just kept kind of teetering in and out of the space, but a lot of what we did also was just witnessing, just watching how Marley and Sage were, in the time that they had for themselves, developing their own structures and means and processes for gathering and being with information and using it. And so the more we watched that, the less we needed to fill their time with ideas of learning. And the more we realized that, oh, shit, sure, like it's us that's unschooling, really. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of how we got to the point where we actually trusted and still trust our children and all children to learn with support, um, you know, and, and in some instances guidance. Mm-hmm. And so we did more and more of that. And the more we moved around, like we're not, we're not really like, I don't identify us as a traveling family per se. We travel because we're nomadic. We move around, but essentially, movement has been a part of how, like, no matter what we're doing, whether we were traveling or not, the unschooling is the important part, because that's what's leading us to so much clarity Mm -hmm. around um, who each of us are, um, how we get in each other's way, what oppression looks like in our household, Mm -hmm. as a microcosm of what oppression looks like on a larger scale. So it, it just, unschooling opened us up to so much work around oppression, and then conversely, liberation. So that's why I always identify unschooling as a form of liberation work because it, it it gives you enough space to start to witness and recognize privilege and power, first starting in your own dynamics and then inevitably, because everything is everything, inevitably it, branch, it branches out into like your relationships in the world. You
0: know? That's the truth, and I, I love that your roots are in love and that that's you know the the pressure almost that you have in in your story and in what you're sharing and in the work that you're doing in your home and in your community because I feel like that's really that's really what our that's really what it's all about right everybody says that but at the end of the day when you really look at children who are raised outside of school they have they're just rooted in some other vibration of love, there's some freedom that exists in these babies. And as you were discussing, or just kind of just highlighting your childhood, I imagine, oh, that must be like, that must be the ideal unschooling situation right there where you're raised around a whole tribe of people of um, different, Well, I guess for you it was all adults, but people that are focused on loving you and on supporting you for who you are and encouraging you for who you are. I know many youth get that in school, and that's not to take away from what youth get in school. But I just love that that's the core of your story here: is that I was raised being praised by adults, and that's what I want to turn around and give, or at least that's what I took from it. We've we've never really had a conversation, so I hope I don't assume (laughs) anything. If so, please correct me. Yeah. Um, Yeah,
1: it's all good. Yeah, and and it's um, I wouldn't say praise. mm -hmm. I would say just like I, I had a lot of space to be myself you You know I was yeah I had a lot of space to to be who I am and people were really genuinely curious about how I thought about things and you know my mom tells all the time um the stories of how I've always been like a a storyteller Mm -hmm. you know I would bathe in the evenings and then they would um I'd want to sit on the, the little post at the side of the gate you know like the gates the You know, the gate at the front of a house usually has two little columns that you put the little things in to make the gate move. And I would sit, they would put me to sit on one, and I would just start telling stories. Mm. And my mom said over time, she had friends, and back then most people you know, didn't have a car in where we grew up so everybody took the bus and people would get off like at a different stop whatever it took to get to so that they would pass by where we lived so that I could tell my stories to them wow. you know so there would be people gathered out there and and so, like, just little things like that that I don't have a memory of, but so many people around me have a memory of. And that's what I mean when I say I call on these things, mm-hmm. um, just like I can call on other things that I don't actually have a memory of that came way before me. And it's it's a lot of the idea of just observing, right, and being really curious about who children are and allowing that curiosity to be the form of guidance as opposed to these ideas of who they should be or who you know who it would be best for them to be or how it would be best for them to be. Mm-hmm. That slight difference to me makes like all the difference in the world, a curiosity mm-hmm. versus what we're more accustomed to, which is like, you know, I want this for you. I want so much for you. I don't want you to be, as we were talking about earlier, behind. Mm-hmm. Or I don't want you to be embarrassed. Or I don't want, like, all of those things are well-intentioned but they can also be deeply toxic and oppressive. And I know because I had all of those things and I forced all of those things on Marley and Sage. And they'll tell you, Marley and I do trainings together. Marley will tell you straight up, which I love, um, about how I viewed things and how it was like, oh, because I, I think she would be amazing at this or she's this type of person, this is how I nurture it. But that nurturing wasn't rooted in a curiosity around who she was. It was like supposition and expectation, Mm -hmm. which which are very much tools of oppression, Mm -hmm. you know, when we don't understand how to use them intentionally Mm -hmm. and without and with power not being this top down thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean, I'm just going to really appreciate I'll have to listen to this show again myself a couple of times because I feel like as as my children get older, you know, baby years, unschooling babies is is really fun and it's you it's. I almost don't even notice how schooled I am, you know, doing it with uh-huh. really little babies. Like, well, this is, we're just living life and it's great and we yep. <laughs> move around and, you know, life is great. Um, and it's really just been in about the last year, honestly, as she gets closer to nine now um, and meeting more preteens and the older kids, I'm like, oh shoot, you know, I, I, you've been able to read since you were two, like you've been able to do it for so long, but I know you don't really like it. And yet she also has this energy of, um, you know, of wanting to, to be able to keep up with people. You know, she has a very uh-huh. old soul and she wants to do big girl things. And I'm like, well, you know, you got to just get reading down. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's big for me to just hear you saying this. And even you, you, you touched on it when I said the fifth grade reading level, I really, really am thankful that you made that apparent to me as a mother. Um, and for this sure. conversation, because, as she gets older, I know I'm going to have to deal with more of my schooling. And I'm really going to have to, like you said, put my mind into researching why, why, why am I like this? Um,
1: yes, yeah, yeah. And and that is like, for me, that's been such an important part of my own de-schooling and, and decolonization process, really, because mm. that's what that is. Like, for me, as a black woman, from um, they also were and are one past a couple years ago, and the other one is still around. Um, very good, excellent, actually, storytellers. Mm. Um, and I do a lot of like reading and meditation and um, intentional connectivity around the past. That's been a very important part of my process, Sankofa work. And a part of that is like this recognition of the ways that unschooling is so natural as you said when they're younger it just feels like oh we're just living life together Mm -hmm. but then as we get older and our children get older more importantly then a lot of that comparison-based stuff comes in and this idea of like you know how people measure up to other people Mm -hmm. and so a lot of the work is centered on doing my own work so that my mind is going to be occupied with something anyway, my attention is going to be occupied with something anyway, when it comes to parenting, my job is to make sure that a lot of that occupying is around my own shit, not what I Mm -hmm. think my kids should or shouldn't be. So the example that you were mentioning, I'll I'll go back to it, is um, when you were saying that, you know, your daughter is reading at a fifth grade level, um, and that and some of the anxieties that you have, and I fully understand because I've been there around, um, levels, you know, around where they should be with things. or what would be more useful in their lives? And so for me, a big de-schooling practice is to not use schoolish language mm-hmm. as an unschooler. So you never would hear, I don't even know what grades Marley and Sage would be. And if they were in school, why, why is that relevant? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't care what level they read at or whatever at, because, that is rooted in this one system that compares children for the purposes of standardization and funding and all of these things that have nothing to do with the actual child. Mm. Right. So when, and then when we think about reading again, for me as a black woman, this, this, the history, right. Especially living in America, the history of um, what was happening to our people you know, the punishment that would come death, the things that came with if someone knew you could read, our people take that really seriously. And so it can be very difficult. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even if you fully understand unschooling or whatever, you're still in an environment where other people are like, listen, your kid needs to read. And especially we talk about a black kid, an indigenous kid, a kid of color, Mm -hmm. they got to know how to read all of these different things. It's to offer some grace for that. That's That term is really important for me, that feeling, that vibration, to understand why we feel like that, and then also to question it, to say, wait a minute, so... Is, is this what, what this is about? Does my child actually feel free each time I sit with them and make them do something that isn't of interest to them? Am I using this tool of oppression, which in this case is like my power over them as a child? Mm-hmm. Because that's the easiest thing to do because I can make them because if they were an adult like me and it was even across the board, I couldn't make them. But I'm going to tap into that power now. Mm -hmm. is that freedom is that what that freedom looked like Mm -hmm. and the answer is oftentimes no so if my kid is instead into rocks and we can deal with you know we can go out and collect rocks and then they can see me reading about rocks and i can read to them about rocks and then they might eventually ask me what these words mean or we can play video games that are connected to it just occupying some of the different ways that i work with my kids in ways where they seem to feel free. Like that is the barometer, that's the mile marker, not the age level, the grade level, nothing like that. Cause as you know probably Lanita from all these different unschooling stories, people learn how to read in different ways. Reading is a tool of our culture. Mm-hmm. So People And and conversely, I know for a fact that many people leave K through 12 without knowing how to read, and also with having big fears around reading, Mm -hmm. you know, or being um, really self conscious about how they read, because we put so much focus on that. So to occupy your mind with questioning all of the reasons around why you're doing what you're doing, that gives your kids some space, because you're not so busy trying to figure out how to change them. And then in the process, it gives you some tools for decolonizing and deschooling your mindset as well. And it's like over time that process just becomes more and more organic and you recognize your schoolishness so easily. And then the tough work is to put yourself in spaces like the conversations you and I are having in the communities where other people are having those conversations as well. So you can counter the narrative that you're getting from everywhere else that, oh, if she doesn't know how to read by this point, you're not a good parent, she's not a good learner, Mm -hmm. and life is going to suck, and you can't do that because our people fought for these things. All of those things will just overpower the actual liberation work of saying what is the dynamic here and what can I do when I'm not taking a power over approach Mm. to support somebody in their process?
0: Yes. Um, And I love that you said it was, it's about being useful because that's really what being useful to our children is going to be is really allowing them the freedom to just be themselves. Um, And what's beautiful is that they actually then give us the ability to be ourselves because I, I was that little girl, you know, I was, I didn't want to read in elementary school either. And the reason was because I wanted to socialize and talk to everyone and make sure everybody was doing well and, Mm -hmm. and practice my (laughs) young woman skills. Yes. Um, You know, I didn't know then who I would be, but I was meant to also tell stories. And as a very young soul, that's what was really important to me was making sure other humans around me were feeling good. And what kind of energy could I bring to the space, you know, to, to aid in that. And reading just didn't make sense, and I, you know, I could. Re- I, I, there's been so many times when our daughter will question a word, and I'm like, sweetheart, I don't know. I've been asking the same question <laughs> for 30 years. I don't know why this is it, but this is called English, and you just have to remember. It. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they spell though t h. I mean, this is a weird <laughs> word, but o u g h. Yes. You know, so it's, it's it's even what's so beautiful about that next generation of us. Um, and those deep memories, as you were, as you were mentioning, those, those those things that you're not, those subconscious memories, um, is that they really, my children for me for sure. And I I hear most mothers say this, but there's so much about me being able to be myself. You know, they're, Mm -hmm. they are here to, to free, to free us, (laughs) to free this generational line. You know, they have the power to do it because I don't know if I could do Uh, it on my own. You know, I might just give in.
1: Yep. Yeah, I could not agree with that more, Lenita. It's, it's absolutely been, that's why I call them my life guides. You know, mm-hmm. there's so much work. They are a continuation of in some instances or portal openers altogether, brand new work in some instances and really old in other instances for me in terms of my own personal development journey and how much that has been enhanced through mothering and motherhood, mm-hmm. um, which I do. Are different things for me and so it's I've I've been mothering even before I had Marley and Sage just Mm because of the dynamics of my household even when we left Jamaica and moved to the States it was very different and the work that I was doing before I started focusing primarily on on schooling as liberation work was um, women's emotional wellness I was coaching primarily with women, I did group retreats, I did private retreats, I did all this other work around women and emotional wellness and What that led me to recognize over time is that I didn't really, I stopped caring so much about (laughs) the aspect of um, womanhood and wellness, like what they were navigating in adulthood. And then I started, so much of that was rooted in childhood trauma, Mm. And that we could get so stuck on trying to resolve the trauma and figure out, like, why it happened that we don't actually develop the tools, the language, and the practice to move forward and to not perpetuate it. Mm. So a lot of the same shit that I went through, that my mama went through, that her mama went through, and her uncle, and this and that and that, I learned over time, my work led me to the work that I do now. So then I realized that, oh... this is really hard. I I wonder, I can't get back to people's childhood, but then I do know that those issues affect how we deal with children, Mm -hmm. and that's not okay, and they are among the least privileged children. And so then it just really organically at that time, started shifting and matching in specific ways, whatever I was living. So because I was living young motherhood, my kids being young and them in school and all of that, it shifted my focus from women over to children and childhood and the practices that show up around childhood and who you are as a child and how you are received as a child and how you see yourself as a child and how those things affect them who we become as adults because hurt people hurt people and free people free people or at least work to free people. So that's how I was able to get to... Oh, if we could work on it here, if I could do work that's getting parents to see the ways that we are oppressive because we were colonized and schooled, then... What will happen generations from now, or even tomorrow, when somebody listens to our conversation, Lamita, and says, "You know what? I don't want to have that sort of dynamic with my child. I don't want him to feel uncomfortable with me or unsafe in the household. Let me start shifting." That's how we can create change now, even if you never figure out what happened when you were seven that caused you to be this way at thirty-five. You know hmm. what I'm saying?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. <laughs> it's an amazing it's an amazing trip um I really am excited too for what our children will do you know um I imagine you know they're still going to have some some reserves of of my trauma and of their father's trauma and um you know even a lot of that reading stuff with my daughter you know having her her grandmother who's in her mid-70s that lives in the midwest asking every time we talk you know are you reading are you reading Mm -hmm. um you know and and even just like you know, she's she's in her mid seventies. Like I I want to give her what you know. I just want to I just want to make her happy as a grandma. Yes, <laughs> you know, I just, hear you. You know, um, but you know, it's it's like I know she'll still be. I know she and my sons will still be dealing with some of that. But to imagine a world where, and I imagine this. This is an imagination, a, a dream that I, I focus on. I'm really into food forestry, which are self-sustained, free food systems and unschooling. Mm-hmm. And I just imagine a world five hundred years from now with let's say 20 to 30 percent of the population who are living around food 500 year old growth food forests and who have been raised out of school and I just like I imagine what that world would look like and and what those humans how they would treat each other and how they would feel about themselves and and I think we could get their way before 500 years but uh, the work that our youth are here to do is Man, um, so exciting. And I want to make sure that because of that, because the power of the next generation, like, you know, the choices that parents can make, um, alignments that we, or things that we can align with for our our youth, um, I want to make sure that we, because we'll we'll just talk about, I could talk to you about this forever, love. I want to make sure we get some uh, resources out to the community and on the show so that people know places that they can tune into, organizations that they can support, ways they can get knowledge, and community support, um, and even more conversations from you. So um, I'm working on starting a new nonprofit here. We've had a lot of that conversation going on 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 this show. And I came across that you are uh, a founding board member of the Alliance for Self-Directed Education. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love to hear a little bit more about what that is and how people can tune into it and what people can expect from being able, uh, with working with that organization um and maybe even just you know another I'm, I'm also I wanted to tie into this um de-schooling as well I saw that you had a deschooling webinar this might be two totally different things but to me they're kind of the same like giving people the resources and the support to to even consider what de-schooling is um sure. and connecting them with an organization that can help them with all of that so would you share a little bit with us about um about how people can take the next steps really
1: yeah. yeah, so the, the organization you mentioned, ASBI, the Alliance for Self Directed Education, the website is self directed.org. And um, we are a nonprofit, and the whole point of this alliance, of this collective, is to normalize self directed education, to increase knowledge of it, and to increase access to it for anybody who wants it. Um, basically, to allow children and teens to to be in charge of their own learning to direct their own education so unschooling is one form of self-directed education but there are others mm-hmm. and in all of those the focus isn't necessarily like life outside of school it's life without a focus on school mm-hmm. because you do have some young people who will choose school and or some of us who we would have chosen to go to that college or whatever you know if we because we wanted to, because that benefits us in some ways and because we understand the system differently than the standard person who goes in and thinks, this is my way to success or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's the first thing, right, to, to help clarify what self-directed education is, isn't. It's not this this big anti-school movement. For some individuals it is, and I get why, and I'm one of those individuals. I'm not to reform it or I think we just need to not focus on it um, and then talk about some of the challenges that come up in that. You know, people say, and I get it, well, for some, the family structure is not safe or the socioeconomic factors make school the only safe space. And to that, I say, yeah, we need to shift then those factors instead of trying to figure out how to get more kids into school, because the design of school is anti-liberatory, period, Mm -hmm. right? So that's one type of conversation. But then there are other types of conversations that talk about something different. And ASVI is a space where all of those conversations are happening. So we have a forum, a set of forums that you, and joining the alliance is free. Um, we do need donations, though, and we encourage people to become members, but um, it's free to do it because it's also about accessibility. But in these forums, we talk about, you know, you're hearing from people locally, people in your city, because you can find people in your city, in your zip code, if you want to, who are having these conversations, or you can initiate the conversations Um through the alliance we one of the big projects that we have and will probably have on board for years as a major project is to have more local sde groups more local self-directed education groups where people can get together on a regular basis whether it be in libraries or homes or whatever, to really talk about what the work looks like in their city uh or in their town What that looks like collectively? How can we bring more of a communal aspect to this work so that people don't feel like the one lonely crazy person choosing this thing? You know, there are like unschooling type schools, like agile learning centers, where if you're not, um, if you have to go to work and you're a single parent, for example, then you can participate in something like that, as opposed to the mindset that unschooling is something that happens for ritual. It's, you know, people who can afford it. So the Alliance helps to debunk those sort of myths by creating, nurturing, um, and amplifying spaces where these things are already happening, right? And it's really, um, it's a human rights issue that we then show how that sort of like reverse engineering the idea from the big problem into all the different little things that are happening and can be happening to resolve that problem. That is the purpose of the Alliance, um. The, those of us who are the organizing board members get together monthly to, uh, deep dive into the sort of feedback that we're getting from people, the projects that we work on individually, because we all have our own things happening. We're we're just a group of people who get together to do this work, Mm -hmm. um, and to, to find ways that we can make it simpler and easier and safer for people to understand the laws around self-directed education, where they're from, uh, and what they can do to normalize it. That that's, is essentially the point of
0: it. Yeah. That's amazing. And that, that's really the resource that so many, I mean, I think all almost all unschooling families will say that's what people come to ask you about. But how do I do this for me? I'm a single mom. What about the laws? What about yeah. this? What about that? Like, that's what we need is one resource where you have um, the ease of accessibility to that knowledge um, and normalize. Yes. I love that that's the focus, to normalize it. Like, actually, this is the way, you know, my, my initial attraction to unschooling was um, reading tribal-type books in college, uh, doing an anthropology minor. And, like, wait a minute, children grew up right next uh-huh. to adults in groups and just practiced what it looked like to be an adult since the beginning yes. of time? Oh, that's what yes. I want my kids to do. I don't want my kids living in four, you know, in rooms with access to no sun and access to different age ranges and like watching adults. And and if they are going to be watching adults, I want to know the adults they're watching because I don't know these teachers. I don't know anything about the issues they have. At least I know I'm working on my issues.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and even when we think about like the indigeneity, the the, the idea that it is. Normal and natural, like school is the new thing. That shit is like a hundred years old. You know, school is the new thing. So when children were in those spaces, they were yes, in some instances or to some extent, they were practicing adulthood. But equally important, they were being Mm. like this idea that we look past children, we look past childhood, and focus so much on adulthood Mm -hmm. because you know it's an obvious eventuality. That is a part of the de-schooling that we need to do. Yes, they become adults, but who are they right now? Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of adult children. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of grown-ass people who are really stuck in like an unresolved or a set of unresolved things that came from their childhood. Mm-hmm. So we, we we really, things like the Alliance, organizations like the Alliance and what comes out of that, is a a way of us remembering that children are people now Mm. they are not eventual adults only they are also people now Mm. so what does it look like to support and facilitate and nurture learning with someone for who they are right now Mm. right and so we um in addition to having the forums we also have tipping points which is the magazine the online magazine version for the alliance and um or aspect, not version. And so we tell, we make space for people to tell their stories about how self-directed education is working for them or not working for them or critiques of that, research around it. Um, Dr. Peter Gray is the the person who really kind of started this idea of this alliance. It was something else before, I think alternatives to learning or something like that. Um, and he's a research professor. Um, and so a lot of his stuff is rooted in hunter gatherer culture and you know then then there are other aspects of it that speak more recently, my friend Kelly um, who's also a a professor um, here in Georgia wrote a piece recently on her blog called Ours First Mm -hmm. and um, Tiffany Points republished it to talk about exactly what you were just saying, Lenita, how normal and natural it has been for black people, indigenous people, people of color to give children the space to be themselves. We respect childhood. Mm -hmm. We value it. We learn from it. We don't see children as blank slates that we mini-mean the shit out of and talk so much about how our kids are or aren't like us which is also toxic Mm -hmm. because because then that's so you centered and then because we're so it's so easy to be so hard on yourself you translate Mm -hmm. that over to your kid as well Mm -hmm. whereas if you see them as their own growing being not the eventuality of something that makes you proud or impressive or makes you even with the grandma thing right like I so get that we want to make them happy and so a lot of what we do is like Cause our children to perform for mm-hmm. our idea of making them happy, mm-hmm. you know, and and that becomes a problem for that child. Mm-hmm. Now there are cultural aspects that we need to consider, which is why it's important that for us not being white people that we talk about what unschooling and other forms of self-directed education look like for us. Mm. Cause it doesn't look like the same thing that it does for white people culturally. My kid is not going to talk to me like they don't have any sense yeah. and that's okay, but it isn't because yeah, and that's, that okay. Have, and that's okay. Right? And, and the reason, <laughs> the reason that that's okay is that I'm not going to, the reason that my kid doesn't talk to me like they don't have any sense isn't because I'm going to like bully them or beat them. Yeah. Right that's how i grew up but instead we're going to there's a mutual respect yeah. which is a very different thing which is now a tool that my kid can use to say oh people respond better to respect than to fear mm. then there are other instances where it needs to be focused on fear but that's not my default like i'm teaching that through living that Mm -hmm. as opposed to find who you can bully and get what you can get, which is what we teach when we use physicality or other power over to, to make children do something. And Mm -hmm. then we also separate ourselves from them in terms of an authentic relationship. So, so all of these sort of things, you get to work on in community with folks. Sometimes you get to do it when you just hear a story, right? When you read something on tipping points or when you listen to a podcast or when you, um, join a forum in the in, in the Alliance, and then look at people's stories or have a conversation. This is how we normalize it. Because then you hear these things or you read these things or you have these conversations, and then you're able to take it back and then apply it to yourself specifically and say, oh this is what I can do differently. And then you live that example and it touches someone else. So then they start treating their kids differently or they talk to their partner differently. This is what we want at Asley. We want it to be so normal to hear a million little stories a day about what liberation work looks like through parenting and education.
0: Mm. And sister, and as I'm just talking to you, like I, I'm realizing how, um, how let's see I don't I'm not even sure what word I want to use I want, don't want to put any definition on what I'm feeling exactly yet but I have not been in an unschooling community um, in recent time enough I have not been spending enough time in this conversation because uh, and, and and that's what I want to highlight how important this community is how important it is to have access to, to a community because I've been doing this for a while, and I even had someone call me a veteran recently. I was like, wait a minute, I don't know if you want to call me a veteran. Like, I don't have teenagers yet, you know? (laughs) I feel like when you get to teenagers, that's veteran status, just as a mother in general, or motherhood for me. But but at the same time, I've been doing it for a while now. And as you're speaking, I'm just recognizing how much I want to be in these conversations more. You know, how much I have – how much I'm missing in not being in a community – of like-minded unschooling, um, especially, you know, black women, black mothers, um, how, how much that's, um, it, it probably isn't affecting my children as much, but definitely as you're, I just like, man, I need to join the Alliance because I need to be yes. in this, you know, I, I have my own perspective and energy to bring, but I also need to be invested around this conversation so much more because this is my children are getting older my daughter's getting older and I need to shift myself and my own perspective and continue to grow in this so Whoo, yes. like beautiful Earthgate Day gifts, let me tell you. <laughs> but I give a Hello. lot to this Mother Earth and she is giving me back gifts. Thank you so much, Akila, for being here.
1: <laughs> Listen, I appreciate you too. Thank you for the invitation and the conversation because this is it is absolutely affecting your kids, by the way. I could say that without even knowing them. Mm-hmm. Because of course, again, everything is everything. That's a saying we have back home. Everything is everything. Yeah. And I use it, I try to say it. Publicly, in like literally every public conversation that I have, because I think it's such an important reminder. Of course, it is affecting that. Of course, we need community. This is what I did in a like without even recognizing that that's what I was doing when I started the podcast, mm-hmm. because I realized that I was benefiting from community in so many ways. One of the gifts that I um, was given is, is the gift of community. I do tend to find or be a part of creating a sense of community. Like whatever thing that I'm doing, wherever I live, at some sense of community is formed. Even if it's just like two or three people in my immediate circle, I, that's just a part of the one of the gifts that I have been given for whatever reason. And even with that, there's still times where... Not so much now because I'm I'm doing the work so consistently in so many different places, but even with that I still would feel like lonely or unsure or crazy. That's when I felt like yo, this shit is crazy. Am I crazy? Am I tripping? You know, and it's like being able to have Things like being able to have the conversations I have on the podcast every week or this one with you, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things are also community for me. So it helped me to reframe even the idea of what it meant to be in community. Yeah. And when I do that, then of course, it's going to determine very differently the way that I show up in my body, the way that I show up each day, which also is going to directly affect the way that I show up in relation to my children.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's that's a big thing for me, too. And, and I love when folks talk about, you know, the socialization of school and how homeschooled children don't get it. And I'm like, well, you know, if you yourself are socialized and you yourself are part of community, then your children will naturally be as well. And so I'm the same way. You know, I, I've, we've moved around a bunch and I that's my thing. Is like, OK, so it's time to make a new community. And in Oregon, we had a, a, a small unschooling community. Um, but for me, what I, I think what I've gotten caught up in is the day-to-day you know, for me, it's really important to create an environment that is stimulating for my children in terms of um, kind of like that, like that tribal thing that I said, I feel like it's really important to realize that children are learning how to be adults next to adults. So if I want my children to be self-sustained adults, I'm really working on creating a self-sustained life for myself so that they can learn how to do that. And And that's what we've been entrenched in is this entrepreneurial small business type community and it's just not the same energy as what you're bringing to me. Like, I'm really, I'm excited to join the Alliance. As soon as we get off this call, I'm excited yes. to join it and to tune in and to get down to Atlanta. I feel like there's a whole unschooling community down there that I've, I need to come and visit. Um, I've connected with a few women down there. And it's just really, really inspiring for me to see that I need that I, this opportunity to grow my community into the unschooling world. I need to support it more. Um, I kind of been on the fence about. Oh, I don't know if I'm really gonna be out there actively talking about it or not. Um, but you're just lighting you're lighting a fire in my heart to to invest more into this community um, for myself Great. and obviously as well for my children. So we need you.
1: I'm glad to hear that because we, we need you. We need more and more the simplicity. One of the things that has really just blown my mind, like over and over and over again, with what's happening through um, through Fear of the Free Child is how simple, how simple it is to offer something to this big like almost overpowering sometimes movement Mm. around raising free people, right? Around liberation when it comes to parenting and education. How simple it is is—the just the simplicity of sharing your story Mm. or being available to listen to someone's story That is a contribution, right? So when people are listening and and you're thinking, okay, I don't want to be out there for whatever reasons, for some of us, it's safety, right? Like we might, whatever our background is, we might not feel like it's safe to to be public with this weirdo way that we're living. And I respect that. I completely get that. Um, Or personality wise, that's not a good look for us, whatever the rationale is realize that there are different ways that you can give. And some of them are super simple as somebody who believes in this work, just being able to like write a little blog post about how you reframed your thought around forcing your kid to do a thing that day. Somebody's going to read that somebody you'll never meet in the world is going to read that. And it's going to touch them in a way that you would never even imagine what this simple little 30 word thing that I spelled four words wrong. And I wasn't even sure. And blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't have to do some big giant thing. You just show up with the intention of, like giving something to the, the growing community mm-hmm. of people trying to raise free people. And you will have so many different simple ways that you can do that. So joining the Alliance for sure is, a, is one that you can do that's simple, that's free, or you can donate whatever you have to it, to the movement, to the work. But you can get so much from that. You can join the forums and you can answer a statement someone said or ask a question that somebody else was afraid to ask. You can share an episode of your podcast with somebody who you know Um would get so much from it. You can start a podcast. You can start Mm -hmm. just a four-week podcast series if you don't want to commit to it on a long-term thing around your experiences in self-directed education. There's so many things that we can do, and we have to do them. This is not the time to sit back and hope,
0: you Mm -hmm. know,
1: and, and worry and complain. This is not that time. Mm -hmm. The movement is going on Mm -hmm. and there are many, many ways. A lot of them are simple that you can contribute to it. And then of course, when you contribute, then you can get back. Mm -hmm. And that's the mindset that is really like, that's our way we give and we get, and we we're circular in the way that we do things and believe in things as a people. And we just need to learn from being around each other and by tuning into ourselves and our children, how to get back to that and outside of this colonized mindset of little segments, little silos that we've become acclimated to. You yes.
0: know? Yes. Sister, We got we just have a few more minutes and then we have to wrap up. Um, yeah. um we didn't really get a touch on de schooling, so I don't know if you have something quick to say there, but I also want to make sure that you leave um you know, anything that you want to leave, any final notes, websites, things like that. I'm going to have all of your information, of course, um, added okay. in as well. But we've got, we're on our we're at our five-minute point.
1: Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, the de-schooling um, is tied to everything I said because it's this notion of questioning. Um the feelings that you have around expectations when it comes to your children or even yourself, just the aspect of questioning that. Why do I feel like um, my kids should be reading at this age? Or why do I feel like my kids shouldn't show this particular emotion? Or why do I feel like they should perform in this way? Like that is the de-schooling process Mm -hmm. beginning. Recognizing that this feeling or this idea that my kids should be doing this or that as a parent, I should show up like this realizing that that is something that someone placed there and that you get to question, that is de-schooling. Mm-hmm. And then allowing that to take you down a path that is laced with a combination of your intuitive knowings, um, the things that you pick up along the way as your own ecology begins to shift and nurture what you're focused on, the communities that you become connected to, and then ultimately the changes that you make in your life as a result of questioning these things and moving forward, that is de-schooling, right? What How were these things placed here? What what is okay for me and not okay for me? And how do I now shift towards something that feels a lot more organic to who I am and what my children need? That is essentially what that is. And um, there are for sure uh, articles on Tipping Points, the Alliances magazine that speak to de-schooling, I have a couple of resources around it and you'll put the link to the site so it'll it'll show some of those. I write a lot about it as well. I write on um, on medium.com. I have a lot of posts that are connected to deschooling and a lot of this work. Um, Growing Minds is a website that I, w- I think everybody should be reading. It's growingminds.coza Zakia Ismail, who's an unschooling mama. Now, that's a veteran. Her oldest kid is like 21, dude.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, that's...
1: Official.
0: Yeah, that's, that's um, veteran level.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, and Zakia and Ahmed have been unschooling. They are um, South Africans of Indian descent. Who they also, Zakia, host. Um, the learning Reimagine conference which is an unschooling and decolonization focused conference that happens in johannesburg mm. each year and it's super super dope super super deep and a lot of the content from the conference and around the conference work shows up on growing minds so that is she has a de-schoolers reading list um Yes, and, and so those are some places that I think the Alliance's website, Zakia's website, um, my podcast, Fear of the Free Child, because you get to hear so many stories of how this work is working us. And I think that's one of the biggest ways that we can help ourselves get free from this stuff is to hear how it's happening for other people and allow that to move through us and tap into our own intuitive knowings and then emerge in the form of change.
0: Mm. Get free, be who you're supposed to be, We were born to be, who we are, and yes. um, give thanks for the work, Sistran, to your family, to the community, and for sharing your time and energy with the show today, and with me, like, for real, this is about my show, it's about the community, the sphere of people that I serve, but this was so much a gift to me as well, I, I knew it as I woke up today that Mother Earth had something for me extra today, thank you for blessing me with... Um, just with your time and your energy and your love, Sister, and I appreciate it.
1: You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having this conversation out loud. I appreciate you too.
0: Yes. Um, happy Monday. I'm sending for a warm spring to come and tickle you guys. Yes, please. Yeah, come on, baby girl. Let's go get some sun out there for you and um, enjoy your time back in Atlanta, Sister.
1: Thank you, So Much love and looking forward to continuing to get to know you and your work and all the good things that you're allowing us to be part of in the space. Thank you.
0: Likewise. I'm I'm gonna be joining the alliance and um hope I'll look I'm gonna yes. put it into the into the ethers that we meet in person sooner than later. So
1: Yes, let's, let's, let's. So you're in Arizona, right?
0: I am in Phoenix, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I, I've been going there because I have a, my cousin, who's like my sister, lives in Chandler. So oh. we spent like a month last year in right. um,
0: Phoenix. Come yeah. see me. Chandler's two minutes away. Chandler's two <laughs> what? minutes away. Yeah. All right, we're going to hook up. We're going to hook up. All right, love. All right, right sis, peace. All right, take care, love. Peace. Peace, family. I'll see you next week.